0: Hello and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick. I'm your host, Tara Fitzpatrick, and today we are talking with Andy Medert. He is director of food service at University of Dubuque, which is, of course, in Iowa. And the main thing that we talk about today is something that I think a lot of our listeners are going to be interested in, and that is Project Rooted. It is a community-based, food-based program, basically trying to connect kids to nutritious food. And I wanted to just read to you from the website and I will put a link down below so you can check it out. But it says the nourishment we experience in our bodies, minds and overall emotional well-being when served with natural, wholesome food should not be a luxury for some, but a right enjoyed by all as a community focused organization, we strive to co-create a future where everyone has access to fresh, locally grown produce. By connecting our children, schools, and families with local farmers, gardens, and nutritious food, magic happens. The combination of compassion and a hearty meal has the potential to truly enrich lives and empower our communities, not to mention it's one of the easiest ways to share happiness, end quote. And that it kind of sums up what it's all about. But, um, There's more details to it. And Andy fills us in on how he works with um, Project Rooted. And he also talks about what's happening with college food service in Iowa, in our country's heartland. Um, Keep an eye out for a story about meat and potatoes. And we talk a little bit about that. And at the same time, the way there's room for plant-based stuff at the table too. We're not all meat and potatoes here in the Midwest. Um, And then we talk about, speaking of the Midwest, we talk about roller coasters at Cedar Point, which if you are from like the Great Lakes states, you probably came to Cedar Point to ride roller coasters when you were a kid. So we kind of reminisce about that one. And by the way, I can't ride roller coasters anymore. Like I get really nauseous. That was a sad thing when that first happened. But you know, life goes on, you have to it's like whatever. Can't ride roller coasters anymore. What are you going to do? Nothing. Anyway, and please enjoy the rest of this pod. Hi Andy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, how has back to school been in Iowa? What has been happening?
1: You know, it's everything has changed since COVID. It's it's just like a new new thing every every day, every um, school year for the last couple has been different challenges, but similar. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're still facing labor shortages. We're still facing supply chain shortages. Um, You know, it's just a fluid environment. So we're really having to try to roll with the changes.
0: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And there is something really good that came out of COVID, one of the silver linings that we kind of like to talk about, especially in the food industry. And maybe it started before then even, but I wanted to talk about Project Rooted. This is such a cool program that you're involved with. I wonder if you could tell us um, how you found out about it and what it is.
1: Oh, I do some community work and I've been in in this town for a while now, um, Mm -hmm. about 30 years. And, um, there was a local restaurant owner and someone he knew that wanted to do something with children to bring them connect, get them connected with where food comes from. Mm -hmm. And they reached out to me and said, you know, we're looking for somebody that's passionate about this type of thing. And, um, you know, has some knowledge of, you know, food. So, Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good fit for me That's you so I, yeah yeah so I joined their board and there was a handful of us that were just you know dreamers and trying to you know fix the way that uh, these young kids are learning about food and that mm. everything doesn't have to come out of a, a package
0: mm-hmm. um
1: you know so we sat down and we we tried to uh, get a Mission statement together and start pulling those things together as a nonprofit.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: just as soon as we got that done, uh, COVID hit. Mm. So that put a big strain on all of our plans. Yeah. Um, and what we found immediately was, uh, specifically in in our area, was the a lot of the schools. Uh, the kids depended on the school systems for their meals, right? And when we had uh, our school systems, you know, close up during COVID, there uh, yeah. we found a huge need to help uh, these kids get mm-hmm. nutritious meals. So that's, we shifted our focus really quickly. Um, we started doing like a box lunch for them and it started out with some, that's somebody doing a few meals here, a few meals there, and we drop them off, mm-hmm. but it turned out to make the long story short <laughs> over the course of those few months, we ended up, uh, project rooted with a bunch of volunteers. We served 33,000
0: meals. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Yeah and meeting a need that you saw in your community. So before COVID and before it became kind of even more, um, like a necessity, what had been kind of the vision for it? Um, like, where, how would you be reaching kids kind of like what, what was, what had been like the idea and can that still happen?
1: Yeah. So we're still in, you know, that, so what ended up happening is, um, we had our, our missions plan, which was to reach school age children mm-hmm. and get into classrooms and get into the uh, get them interested in, in uh, inspired to learn about different things, food related. And like I said, that kind of got sidetracked a little bit uh, in the very beginning, just because we were just figuring it out when COVID came along. So yeah. then <clears throat> post-COVID, we were trying to get back into what we originally wanted to do. Yeah. People were still coming to us and saying, oh, we need this. We need that. Right. So we tried to, we had to regroup a little bit and get refocused on what our mission really was. And it was getting into these uh, school-age children. Mm-hmm. So right now, we are in, I think this year, we are shooting to be in all of the classrooms in the area for grade two. So all second grade classes, we go into the class once a month
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: have what's called a rooted box. Mm-hmm. Um, last, I think last month we did salsa. So we did really? little cups of tomato and onion, and we gave them a little thing of garlic and, you know, in, in a little box and they could bring it home and make salsa. That's so cool. <laughs> we try to um, get into the school's uh, and get into actual classrooms, present these boxes and do a little um hands-on stuff. And the kids really get excited about it, bring it home. Um, mm-hmm. we've got different feedback that it's just really uh inspiring to these kids to be able to uh inspiring, empowering them to make mm-hmm. some of their own things that are simple. Yeah, that's, that's really and whole cool. and mm-hmm. a lot of it we try to get as much locally sourced as we can. So Mm -hmm. that helps the the overall community as well. So our long-term goal is to be in each, is to develop a program for each grade. So now we're in the schools, all the schools this year in one grade. Mm -hmm. It might take us a little bit, but we'll get into all the schools in the following grade. And then we'll just kind of progress is the longer term um, goal. When yeah.
0: I like that. Second grade seems like a good age to start with. Like they're curious. These are yep. kids that are like six or seven years old. And I think salsa is such a great way to start. Like, I feel like that's what me and my brothers, when we first started cooking, like that was maybe one of the first things that we made. I know that my brother, Bobby was, he was trying to make it real spicy. And then he made labels that said, Bobby's salsa. So it's like, it's so, it's just a fun thing for I just I love that. What are some other like activities that you that you think would work good or that you have planned?
1: Um, with project rooted specifically, yeah. um, oh, I'm trying to think. I think coming up uh, this month is going to be um, squash Ooh. or sweet potatoes. I'm not hundred percent sure yet. We're kind of nailing it down. Yeah. This time of year is if we're we're trying to focus on things that are local and in season, mm-hmm. and we're coming towards the end of. You know, you're getting down to slim, slim right. stuff in the Midwest. Yeah, so um, then we got to kind of regroup and try to figure out different ways to um, reach the kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. That's a good segue into, I am currently working on a story about meat and potatoes. And by the time folks are listening to this, hopefully that, um, the story about meat and potatoes will be out and it's, it's a Midwestern thing and you've been featured in some of our plant-based stories. And you were saying, well, like, yes, we are in the Midwest, but people still like plant-based stuff, but then now it's like getting colder. We want those cozy meals. So I wanted to see what, what do you think of when you think of Midwestern meat and potatoes?
1: Pretty much that. I mean, and yeah. I feel in the I've got family that are on the East Coast, and it's funny how regionally, you know, different things are prevalent. Yeah. Um, You know, out east when I go there, it's seafood, and and they're just dying for a good steak. Where out here, it's mm-hmm. like you know, wow, you know, steak uh, again, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, uh, so here, you know the um, the agricultural that's here, you get you get good produce, you get good um, proteins with your Beef, pork, chicken. So it, yes. it's when I think of more comfort food, it's things like uh, Midwest meat and potatoes. It's just that it's like meatloaf, mashed potatoes, gravy, a veg. You know mm-hmm. those types of things, or yes. a, um, you know something that's uh, like a pot roast or things like that. But yeah,
0: yeah, it's just those cozy vibes for sure. Yeah. So, are you originally from the Midwest? Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Michigan. Okay, we're neighbors.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not too far from Ohio. So no, no, I was right on the
1: border of Ohio, Indiana and Michigan.
0: Oh, cool. Okay, so you probably grew up going to Cedar Point amusement park.
1: Sure did. (laughs) Every year, annual
0: migration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There always were a lot of people from Michigan, people from all over the country. Like if listeners haven't heard of it, Cedar Point is our Midwestern amusement park. And speaking of potatoes, one of my favorite memories of that place, and I think they still do it, is like the fresh cut fries that you would get when you first walked on to like the fairway, like before we would start riding the roller coasters, we get these cups of fries and like with the vinegar and everything. So that, that was just delicious. I I really like the, the fair food and I think they have a lot more food there now. I I should go check it out. My daughter's not into roller coasters. So she never wants to go, (laughs) which is when I was her age, I loved it. I loved the corkscrew go upside down. I mean, And like when I was young, the Magnum was new. So that was like just this crazy tall roller coaster. Do you remember a favorite coaster there?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) I'm dating myself now, but uh, the Gemini had had just been put in. And uh, so that was a racing coaster.
0: Yes. And
1: um, that was pretty cool. The corkscrew was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, Uh, that was streak
1: was right there in the very front. That was like the wooden one. Yep.
0: Oh yeah. No stuff, but And the Gemini was so fun because, um, it was, it's two cars racing each other and you never knew it, it was like either the red or the blue one was going to win this time. But like when you passed beside the thing, people would pass stuffed animals back and forth to each other. Like it seemed <laughs> a little bit dangerous, but it was just very fun, very fun place. So, um, and you grew up having like Michigan cherries and like all the, all the wonderful Midwestern things that are kind of different in Michigan. You guys have a lot more lakes there than mm. we have in Ohio. Like there's more towns that are kind of on little lakes than, than we have. Do you get back there pretty often? Not
1: really. Um, I actually just got back from <clears throat> there last weekend, but it's been a while. Okay. Um, you know, it's not that far. It's a no. day trip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, uh, wineries are starting to really pop up around there so we went Mm -hmm. to a couple wineries and nice it's just kind of neat to see you know repurposed buildings like an old schoolhouse turned into a winery yes things like that so
0: yeah cleveland and detroit are so good about that about taking these old buildings and like making them cool it's like i i really like that that idea definitely and I wanted to ask about um, your school year. Um, we talked a little bit about the challenges, which pretty much is universal. Everybody's got labor and supply chain stuff, but what, what are some new things that you have kind of going on campus this year that, that you're excited about?
1: Well, it's, <clears throat> I think what we get excited about most is uh, explore, um, exposing the student base to different Things, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. Again, if you've got somebody from the East Coast, they may not be real, you know, familiar with the whole meat and potatoes thing. And you got somebody from the South,
0: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, it's it's kind of neat to expose them to different foods. So it's also what I like a lot is to talk to the students. Like, okay, so I got a Southern student that comes up and says, "Oh, I miss my mom's collard greens," and I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Well." (laughs) tell me about them and I'll try and make them. So not only does that give that student uh, a little bit of a uh, taste of home, but it also exposes the rest of the student body to something that they may not be uh, not necessarily comfortable with, but
0: uh, just never had it before. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: like, what's this? Oh, it's collard greens. What's that? It's like it's good. Try it.
0: (laughs) It's delicious, (laughs) and it's really good for you too. Like there's a lot of nutrients in those greens. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's different ways to cook them. Like the way that I normally have seen them is like there's like a lot of bacon fat involved in in making them delicious. But I I think there's I've gotten um, a HelloFresh kit or a Blue Apron kit that had. Collards in there, and they were you were slicing them very thin and making kind of you can eat them raw, like if you slice it thin enough and make it kind of similar to kale, like any of those tougher greens. Yep, definitely, exactly. So, do you guys, when you think of Iowa, like I kind of think of corn definitely, like did you and the harvest came in like probably like a couple months ago, like this, the summer corn. So, were you able to save any of that, like freeze it, like that type of stuff, like putting things up for the winter? Not too much, just
1: because of the volume yeah. that we go through here. Okay. Um, we would feature it once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. So we would, you know, grab some and, you know, we've got a couple of local uh, people that that's kind of their thing is, you know, this uh, certain farms, uh, sweet corn, and you, you mm-hmm. got to get there early because they sell out and oh, yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So we'd grab, we'd call them and reserve some and you know, mm-hmm. serve it out for the students in different ways, but.
0: Nice. That sounds good. And I have kind of a, um, question for you. Like what, when you're at home, what are you cooking? Like, what is, what is your go-to like, what have, what are some meals that you've, that you've been making just as a home cook?
1: That's tough. You know, I mean, (laughs) because it's funny, you know, I've got, I've got three boys and now they're adults now, but, Mm -hmm. um, Growing up, it's like, oh, your kids must eat really well having a chef as a father. And I'm like, <laughs> these kids, I can't no. get them to eat anything except chicken nuggets and mac and uh-huh. cheese. Yes. Um, well,
0: That's it's refreshing to, to hear when it's a chef, because you just figure, like, so many chefs are like, oh, yes, like, my kids really love uni. They can't get enough. They're really enjoying, like, this. And my daughter is the same way. And I think when you have a parent in the food industry, the way that you rebel is being a chicken tenders kid. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's like, we have, you have access to all these wonderful things, but my daughter recently has started really liking artichokes. So I've been steaming artichokes and she loves it. I think she having the butter to dip it in is really that that's, that's the draw, but yeah, that's interesting. Have your sons grown up to become more foodies as they got older or are they, well, still-
1: <laughs> what's kind of funny is we'll, we'll vacation with uh, another family. That's got th- three boys as well. And we'll get a, like an Airbnb house. that will take all of us. So there's ten of us, mm-hmm. and the um, the husband and I usually do all the cooking. Mm-hmm. And I made gumbo and dirty rice one time.
0: Oh, nice! And,
1: and one of my kids had the nerve to say to me, "How come we didn't eat like this when we were kids? Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, You guys wouldn't eat anything besides chicken nuggets and um, yeah, you know, mac and cheese." I said, "I tried. Uh, yeah, oh, this is, is great. How come we didn't? You know, it's like."
0: I know that's so funny that that pretty much that's what it's like to be a parent it's like but but I tried you did no (laughs) yeah kids don't remember things the same way that you do I think becoming a parent you realize that you're like okay yeah
1: but so it is interesting to see how their tastes have changed um Mm -hmm. you know it it really surprised me my middle child will um he'll get into about anything um he'll try it and um he's been a little more adventurous and mm-hmm. you know if he doesn't like it and, and I guess that's the one thing about being a chef that I was able to pass on to him is you know it may look funny it may <laughs> smell funny but try it you know? just try uh, it <laughs> yeah just uh, just a little bite and if you don't like it don't eat it
0: yeah yeah but
1: so my middle one his uh go to when we would go out we went out we were actually on a cruise one time as a family and they had uh as an appetizer they offered escargot Mm -hmm. and he's like what is this i'm like uh snails (laughs) really and he. Takes one, he goes, These are really good. And he them every night.
0: Nice. And I think it's again with the butter and the garlic. Yep. It's like they're, they taste so good. And I think that's why <laughs> you never see them like plain. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's like finding vehicles of things. And do you see that sometimes like with? college age students too are sometimes in that chicken nugget phase where they're like kind of cautious about things and don't want anything different. They want the same. So as you were saying, cause you kind of alluded to that earlier where it's kind of your job to like get them started, try some new things from different regions around the world.
1: Yeah. And you know, I mean, as these, uh, college age kids are going out into the workforce, if they're on an interview or they're getting on a, out on a professional dinner and they have a menu put in front of them, that's complete you know they have no idea what it is and something shows up and like, <laughs> oh you know at least this way yeah. you know we're exposing them to things other than the chicken nuggets and things not that we don't run those for them once yeah. in a while but yeah we try to do things as much as possible from whole foods and um, just from an allergen standpoint and a food quality yeah. standpoint we like to uh make all of our things here, uh, you know, soup sauces, gravies, all the proteins we like to keep pretty much just whole and yeah you know, make them. So when somebody asks us what's in it, is this in mm-hmm. it, is that in it, I mm-hmm. can really tell them versus having to go to a, a label on a box that's a paragraph long
0: looking right.
1: for you know additives or allergens yeah. or anything else.
0: Yeah. And people are kind of looking for that clean label idea. Like, I feel like that's a good, um, cause people just want to eat better. I think is my theory. They just want, they want to know like, what's, is this good for me? So it's like, people are getting away from seeing like the processed foods that have all of those ingredients in them. And especially when allergens are an issue for you, it's like, if you have to read through and there may be something or gelatin, like there's, yeah. So do you have like a, an allergen station?
1: no we don't really have that per se um i mean we've got <clears throat> separated out uh i don't know we can't sit, say it's allergen free yeah um yeah. here because it's just allergen friendly so right. we, we do have you know flower dust or whatever from yeah. one part of the kitchen can drift into another but we we try to keep a um a set of utensils and everything else that are clean from any of that so yeah. if you have somebody it's not a hundred percent, but it's, you know, we tell them that it's like, it's yeah. not, you know, it's like that, that uh, thing on the, some of the boxes that processed in a facility that handles nuts.
0: There are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Both that's, things. that's part of like, things are changing kind of too. I, I had a, a good podcast with somebody from the peanut board recently where it's not really getting kids with allergies ready to be out in the world. If you're like, we have a nut free campus and it's like, well, that's not really what they're going to be. They, they need to start taking ownership and figuring out what they need to do for themselves so it's like just saying that there's nothing here is not really the best way to to work with that
1: yeah and then the other side of that too is you know if you start uh, touting that you're not free well then somebody slides in a peanut you know jar of peanut butter and starts uh doing their own thing and yeah
0: know. <laughs> right right Absolutely. For sure. No, this is, this is so, so good to talk to you. And I I think that, um, we definitely want to stay in touch in the future and see, see how, how your year turns out. So we would, we would love to have you back if you, if you'd like to come back.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. It's been nice chatting with you and appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah. Likewise. And we will stay in touch. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.